God to grow you, and you're going to begin to see a change in your life. But just like David, it's the Lord who's going to grow you and develop you, not you. You can put out your plan all you want, but if you don't allow the Lord to grow you, it's going to just kind of fall by the wayside. It's going to be no good. And so you can do it all you want, and it may work a little bit for a little while, and then the going gets tough, and you'll get going, and you won't grow. Pray till our lips are blue and our knees are calloused. But are we really willing to surrender ourselves to God's will? His ways generally look a lot different than our ways. We may struggle with doubt, wondering why He's not answering our prayers. But as Pastor Mark reminds us in today's message, when we bow to His will and allow Him to come in and work, we will start to experience spiritual growth. It will often be painful, and we may have to let go of our own dreams and aspirations. But the purpose He has in store for us is so much greater, and it will be completely worth it in the end. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5 with today's edition of Come Alive. We finished that little street, and I look at my wife, and she looks at me, and she goes, now what? And I so badly wanted to say, let's get in the car and go home, because it was easier to sit in my chair and watch the next episode of whatever, but there was another neighborhood behind it. Let's go down there. And we did, and there were people outside. We'd walk up, and I'd be like, oh, gosh, we're going to be made fun of. We're going to be taunted. And the enemy the whole time is saying, yeah, yeah, you are. Hi, we'd like to invite you to church. Oh, cool, man, yeah. And you're just like, really? Though they never came, but it was still like, really? You're accepting? You're nice? You didn't chew off a leg? We weren't running down the street screaming help for our lives. It was amazing. Sometimes you just need to go for it. And then from then, you got to build on that because to stop would have been horrible. Be like, oh, cool, we talked to one family, so let's go. It made it easier to talk to the next people. And by the time we got to the end of it, it was like we were professional evangelists knocking on doors, almost as good as the Jehovah's Witnesses that show up. Like we knew what we were doing. And so that's what happened. You need to go for it sometimes and let God work out those details. Now, there's a part of this verse here that seems that David hates the blind and the lame, right? It's in parentheses, and it says, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul. Now, there's nothing that says, he didn't mean it. There's nothing that says contrary to that, but if you would look and you think about this, it's the verse that seems that and I think that David just hates the enemies of, the, you know, of God, the Jebusites. These guys being Jebusites, David hated them. And not that they were blind and lame, but he just hated the Jebusites. And my reasoning for this is if you turn just a few chapters over to chapter 9 and take a look with me. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 1, it says, and now David said, is there anyone who is left 
of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. And then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself, and then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here's your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. So David doesn't hate the lame. He doesn't hate the blind. He hates the Jebusites. He hates the enemies of God. He didn't care if they could walk, run. If they were 8 to 80, blind, crippled, or crazy. He hated them. If you were God's enemy, David didn't like you. He didn't like you. It wasn't that he just hated all blind and all lame. So we can't read that into it. We should never read that into it. And so David wants to show kindness to Mephibosheth. And so it would seem, and then if you even think about it, Saul was David's enemy. And he still shows kindness to the household of Saul. And so here is that application where, you know, to love our enemies, to show them kindness. Now that doesn't mean all the time. I mean, if it's a dangerous enemy, don't run up to them with a fruitcake this Christmas and while they're holding a gun or a knife trying to kill you. Just show, pray for them. Start there. Show them kindness. Show them kindness. And look at verse 9. Going back to chapter 5. Verse 9 says, Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called the city, called it the city of David, and David built all around from Milo and inward. Milo is just like the northern area of Jerusalem. And it was very vulnerable to attack. So David builds it up, you know, and, and saying, hey, you know what? Let's build some terraces around this place to help protect the people that are out there. He does something that a true king does. He really cares for the people. A real leader really cares for the people. And so they want to do things, and they're not going to hide things. They're going to do things to help protect people and get people doing the right thing. So he builds up these terraces. Look at verse 10 and says, so David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Literally, the Hebrew says, David went on growing and going, growing and going. And, and, you know, that's been my prayer. I pray that the Lord um, just allow that to be me. Continue to go and grow. I mean, sometimes the going gets tough, and sometimes the growing seems to want to stall. But I just pray that's my prayers, that I constantly grow and go, that whatever the Lord calls me to do, that I grow while I'm doing it. And that he always gives me stuff to do. That my kids always see me serving him and not just serving myself and doing the fun stuff. But making all things that the Lord has us do fun. And that they see and they find enjoyment in it as well. And so when they get old, they'll say, man, you know, that's what my dad did. I want to be like my dad. And so God's going to allow you to go as far as you want to go. Did you know that? He'll honor that. As far as you'd like to go, that's how far God will take you. If you want to be great, he can make you great. It may not be according to your definition of great, but it'll be according to his definition of great. The Christian should have a desire to have more of God and be closer to God than have a desire to have more of, well, material things. 
Not that they're bad, but your desire should always be to have more of God and be closer to God. And pray to ask God to grow you, and you'll begin to see a change in you. Ask God to change you in that situation. Don't be that guy that walks into the office or the factory or wherever you work, the shop, whatever it is. Don't be that guy that walks in all bitter and angry and mean and just because something didn't go your way. Be that person that says, hey, you know what? God's growing me each and every day. The reason I didn't do this that way is because, you know what? The last time I did it, I realized, oh, I, it just, I was bitter. And I want to be better for the Lord. And so pray and ask God to grow you, and you're going to begin to see a change in your life. But just like David, it's the Lord who's going to grow you and develop you, not you. You can put out your plan all you want. But if you don't allow the Lord to grow you, it's going to just kind of fall by the wayside. It's going to be no good. And so you could do it all you want, and it may work a little bit for a little while. And then the going gets tough, and you'll get going. And you won't grow. Look at verse 11. It says, And then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. They built David a house. So we can see that David being king was no joke. Uh, A great king, Hiram, is in in present-day Lebanon, and that's where this is. And so this king, is he lives there because the king of Tyre sent a delegation to David in Jerusalem. It lets us know that, wow, this is, he's a pretty powerful dude back in these times. Tyre was one of the most powerful city-states in the eastern Mediterranean seaboard. And this was a really good move for them. It's political because now it allies them with David. So it's like, hey, man, let us come build you a house. We got these really cool cedars, cedars of Lebanon. They're really good. I mean, your whole Bible talks about them, David. So let us build you a house out of these things and get you set up right. We're going to put the latest and greatest wash basin in it. We got some stone from another area. And look at this sink. And though we don't have flushing toilets yet, but, you know, we dug you a deep enough hole. So if you need to go to the bathroom inside, you can. So they, they set him up. Good political move for this king. He's a smart man. Verse 12 says, So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. For his people Israel. Not for David's sake, but for his people. So David knew who was blessing his kingdom. David knew where those things were coming from. Like, man, the Lord's blessing me. David knew that God had blessed him so that he could be a blessing. And we see that here, and that's one of those things that, you know, we need to understand that God doesn't bless you just because you got more golden stars on the heavenly chart of chores than anyone else. He blesses you so you can bless other people. He doesn't bless you so you can say, wow, cool, I got all of this, and I'm just going to keep it for myself. He blesses you so you can say, hey, is there somebody in need, somebody that needs help? Let me bless you. Let me bless them. Instead of A lot of times we find ourselves living and getting bigger and more and then not being able to afford it when trouble hits and, oh, I don't know why God's doing this to me or it's the enemy. We want to blame somebody. We just don't want to blame the guy that we shave every morning. And so God is looking for people to bless so they might be a blessing to others. Has God blessed you? And if he has, are you a blessing to others in, in doing whatever it is? It doesn't always happen to be money and stuff like that, but maybe it's something that he's given you, a verse, a song, kind word. Pick up the phone and, hey, man, I'm thinking about you, and I just want to say I love you. 
Uh, Those things are important for people. Hopefully you dialed the right number when you call someone, but maybe not. Maybe that's the Lord, and they'd be like, oh, cool, man, I love you too, bye. I had somebody do that the other day. Go, hey, they texted me, just want to say I love you. And I was like, cool, I love you too. I didn't I did recognize the number. And they're like, who is this? <laughs> I was like, this is Mark. Mark who? I'm like, who is this? I'm like, I didn't know anybody named Deandra. And I was like, but thanks for loving me. It's nice. And I was like, LOL, and that was it. Just some funny little things, you know? I was like, wow, somebody loves me that doesn't even know me. If they knew me, they probably wouldn't have sent that text. So, you know, it was kind of cool because I did send a Bible verse, and they said thank you, and never heard from them again, which is okay. But see, here's the deal. We say and we ask that God make me a servant. I want to serve others. And then all of a sudden, the true test of servanthood comes through. Somebody treats you like a servant. And all of a sudden, you're like, what did that guy just tell me to do? Are you serious? Pick up garbage in the parking lot? Scrub a toilet? Help a homeless? Seriously? That's, a, that's way below my pay grade. The true test of a servant is how do we respond when people treat us like servants? If you respond like a servant, then you're probably a servant. A true servant never expects thanks. You know, sometimes I, I'll catch myself doing something. I'm like, man, nobody's grateful that I do all this stuff. And then I catch myself, I'm like, yeah, well, big deal. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Watch when those people are blessed by whatever it is you do and sit back and don't worry about the pat on the back. I had somebody one time tell me, man, it seems like I'm always getting slapped in the face. I'm like, turn around and turn it into a pat on the back. Hopefully they're not hitting too hard. But see, it's true. You know, if you get mad when, when, when you serve and you're upset because somebody doesn't say thank you or whatever, then you're probably not a true servant. And, and it's okay to have those thoughts. I'm not saying it's bad. Sometimes we get caught up in the flesh and we need to stop and say, okay, wait, wait, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Do I do this to, to be seen or whatever it is to get extra money or get a pat on the back or do I do it because Lord I love you and I want to serve your people I want to bless others see David knew three things if you're taking notes you can write these down David knew three things that made his reign great and every godly leader whether you're a leader in your household or wherever you're at a leader of your friends whatever it is should know these three things very very well number one is David knew that God called him and established him over Israel. Number one, God called him and established him over Israel. So for you, you might say, well, how, how, what about me? He didn't establish me over Israel. Okay, he knows you. He called you. Maybe he established you over a group of friends to be a Bible study leader or over a group of friends to be the study leader. Or maybe you're just now moving up to department manager or lead employee or head server, whatever it is the Lord has you doing. If he's called you, he'll establish you. David knew, number two, this is number two, David knew that the kingdom belonged to God, that it was his kingdom. And for us, how do we apply that? What's that mean for you and I? Well, it means that whatever he's provided us, your kingdom might be your house, dad's, uh, he, he's provided that for you. It belongs to him. Your car, maybe your job, it belongs to him. So do it as unto him. If you're a student, then your schoolwork, do it as unto him. 
So number one, David knew that God called him and established him over Israel. Number two, David knew that the kingdom belonged to God. It was his kingdom. And number three, David knew God wanted to use him as a channel to bless his people. God knew that God, God, David knew that God wanted to use him as a channel to bless his people. It was not for David's sake that he was lifted up, but for the sake of his people Israel. So God can use you to bless others. He blesses you to bless others. That's real simple. David knew God blessed him to bless others. And so those three things are very important for us as leaders. And you say, well, you know, maybe I'm not a leader. Yeah, if you're a Christian, you should be a leader. You should be leading your friends to the Lord. You should be telling your friends about Jesus Christ. You should be a leader in the fact that you are going to live a lifestyle that is different from what the world sees. And so be a leader in that sense. Verse 13. Verse 13 says, And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron. Also more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. And I'll let you guys dig through those all you want. I'm not going to ruin them. So here, you know, we go from, man, David's this great guy. He's blessed to bless others. And now all of a sudden... He's picking up concubines. And for those of you who don't know, those aren't the wives of porcupines. Uh, Those are extra women. And some believe that David was trying to cement relationships with the leading families of Israel, the various tribes. And if this is true, he's given some of the most influential Israelite families a stake in his success by marrying in and bringing on these other wives or these other women into his household. So we know that David had multiple wives. We know he had concubines. And you might think, well, wait a minute, how is this? How, is this part of, he, he, he did this, he was blessed with them so he could bless others? No, this is a sin. Uh, this is a problem that took place here. And we know that it's a sin because we're told way back in De- Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen that this is a, a, a disobedience to the Lord. He doesn't want you to have more than one wife. So we know that David's a liar. He has a problem with lying. And we know that he has a problem, well, with grabbing a bunch of women. And whether it's for political purposes or not, it's still, it's not a good idea. Just because it's permitted, remember we've said that, just because God permits something, that doesn't mean he, he says, well, I'm good with it. He just permits it. And we know what happens to David later on if you read through the stories. And you know that his sons, well... Well, we'll talk about that. They, it's a prophecy. It says, you know, in, in 1 Samuel eight thirteen, it says, David will be king that takes the nation's daughters. And I don't know if that prophecy is, is, is right there, and that's what that's talking about 100%. But in 1 Samuel eight thirteen, it says, David will be a king that takes the nation's daughters. And this was in direct disobedience again to Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen. It says, neither shall he multiply a king shall not multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. So more sons and more daughters are born to David. Certainly David and everyone else saw that these many children is God's sign of blessing upon David and his many wives. And so having a lot of kids in this time period would be a a huge blessing. But again, we have to wrestle with Deuteronomy 17, 17. Most of the trouble to come in David's life comes from his relationship with women from his children later on. It's often true that the seeds to our future 
or trouble are sown in times of great success. So when we have these seeds that we've sown and these troublesome seeds that start to pop up and rear their ugly heads, it's usually sown in the times that we have a lot of success. When we think, oh, we got it. Lord, yeah, I got this one. You, I don't need to bother. It's too small for you to even, don't even get out of bed, Lord. I got it. I can have, no, get up off your throne. I got it. It's little. It's little. Man, I got all this money. I just throw some money on it. Fertilize this thing. And so all of a sudden, later on in his life, we see that his son tries to kill him. You talk about dysfunctional families. That would be one of them. Because David has sown seeds of trouble. And so I wonder if there would have been a, a greater blessing if he did a not taking so many wives or not taking any of these women at all right here. wonder what the blessing would have been, you know? And you sometimes look back and be like, man, I wonder if I would have never done that. Uh, what my life would have been like now. Or, how, you know, how, how this would have turned out or how this would have played out or how. And, and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time wondering those things and trying to figure it out. As much as we just need to say, okay, Lord, I I blew it, and help me not do that again now in any kind of situation. Help me stop this. And so, again, you know, we said it before, he's going to suffer for what he's sown because the sons of some of these wives are going to try to harm him, and he'll suffer heartbreak as well. Nothing worse than a broken heart. Uh, I think a broken bone's easier to handle because we know it's going to mend, but a broken heart, it's always got a scar on it. It always hurts. Look at verse 17. It says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And so here we see something amazing. David's success brought these new challenges. Success always brings challenges. You might feel successful in one area, but you're going to also have a challenge in another area. It's like a job promotion. I can't tell you how many people, when I used to work in the baking industry, promote me. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. And you would sit and you would watch and say, hey, you know what? He may be my guy. And you give him the promotion and all of a sudden he's faced with this challenge and he's like man dude i thought i was just going to be able to sit around and drink coffee all day long and hang out and surf on the computer like really you just thought that being promoted being a boss of what you used to be is going to just allow you to do absolutely nothing well here's your new challenge The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of David, the second king of the nation of Israel. From his ascension to the throne, to his battlefield victories, to his sins and failures, God continually describes David as a man after his own heart. This distinction reminds us that though we fail, our God still delights in having us a part of his family. We can bring our sins to him in an attitude of repentance, knowing he offers us grace anew for each morning. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you in your journey of faith. So please give us a call. Let us know how you heard about Come Alive and feel free to ask us any questions you have and we'll do our best to answer. Call us at 281-391-5503. Do you live in or are you visiting the Katy area? If so, we want to meet you. Here's Tracy with more information. Calvary Chapel Katy is a great group of Jesus followers who are ready and waiting to welcome you into our family. We'll make sure you find a friendly smile and a listening ear 
we genuinely want to get to know you. Come and see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or find out more about our men's and women's Bible studies. Give us a call with any questions and to get directions. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. See you there. Thanks, Tracy. Tune in again for more from 2 Samuel right here on Come Alive.